let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. Gilberto Araujo was walking down the street in his hometown, in his nation of Brazil, when all of a sudden a friend came running over to him. Gilberto, Gilberto, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be dead. Dead, said Gilberto. I'm not dead. I'm standing right here. I'm living and breathing. It's me. I'm alive. He said, uh, but right now in your mother's compound, uh, your corpse is in a coffin and your family is celebrating your funeral. Hey! Gilberto thought this was some type of an evil prank or some type of a bad joke. He couldn't believe what his friend was telling him. But then he decided just to make sure he would call his brother. So he picked his mobile phone and called his brother and said, Hey, brah, it's me, it's Gilberto. But his brother gave him a reply that shocked him. He said, you cannot be Gilberto. Gilberto is dead. I'm at his funeral right now in my mother's compound. Gilberto said, brah, it's me. Believe me, it's me. It's Gilberto. Can't you recognize my voice? But the brother thought it was a prank and dropped the call. Gilberto had no other option to get into an Uber and go to his mother's compound. And when he got there, he found his family and friends gathered for his funeral. Imagine walking into your own funeral. You'll be shocked. But imagine the even greater shock of his family and friends when they saw him because there was a corpse in the coffin and they were having a funeral. But there was Gilberto himself. When some people saw him, they literally fainted. Some people saw him and ran out of the compound. Some people saw him and stared. But it was really, truly Gilberto. He was not dead. He was alive. So why did his family think he was dead? Well, a few days earlier, the police had found a dead body on the street. And the dead body resembled Gilberto Araujo. And so they didn't know who the man was, but they called the Araujo family. And Gilberto's brother went to the mortuary and identified the body and said, that's my brother Gilberto. They took him and put him in a coffin. They were having his funeral at his mother's home. So the body in the coffin was not Gilberto. It looked like him, but it was a stranger. And suddenly the shock and tears turned to joy and dancing. Imagine the hugs. Imagine the shouts. Imagine the screams. Gilberto is alive. Gilberto's mother Marina Santana later told reporters, I am overjoyed. What mother wouldn't be after being told that her son is dead and then sees him alive? The true story of Gilberto Araujo gives us a brief glimpse today into what it must have been like on that first Easter morning. You see, Jesus hadn't just been proclaimed dead, he had died. His disciples had seen him. They'd seen him breathe his last breath. They'd seen him as they took him down, his lifeless body wrapped in linen cloth and spices. They'd seen him put in a tomb, and they'd seen the Romans roll a stone across the mouth of the tomb. They saw the soldiers. They knew it was over. Jesus was dead. And when they went to the grave on Sunday morning, they never expected to see Jesus. So imagine their shock. 
Imagine their confusion when the stone has been rolled away and there's an angel and said, he is not here. The angel said, he is risen. And then Jesus appeared to them and suddenly their shock turns to joy. Suddenly their sorrow turns to overwhelming laughter and gladness and happiness because Jesus is alive. Somebody say, Jesus is alive. That's the great news of Easter. Christ has risen. He's conquered the grave. And that is cause for great joy and celebration amongst all people today. For if Christ is risen from the grave, then death has been defeated. And if death has been defeated, there's hope for you and I. If Christ is risen, then we too can rise again. For you see, the great news of Easter is more than just the fact that Jesus himself rose from the dead. It's the fact that he His victory over death is our victory over death. Because he lives, we also can live. When we understand the meaning of Easter, we can experience the power of his resurrection in our own lives. That's the purpose of our sermon this morning, a sermon entitled A Living Hope. We're going to discover what Easter means to all of us today. But before we go on, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we come before you with joy and thanksgiving for the great love you have for us in sending your son Jesus to die and rise again that we might be saved. Lord, we pray today that you will open our hearts and eyes, give us faith to believe and receive. Let us see with your understanding the truth of what the resurrection means in us today and forever. We submit to you now. We bind every voice of the devil that would come to deceive, disturb, or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to touch us and change us. Lord, without you, I can do nothing, but let me proclaim your word under your unction and anointing by the power of your spirit today that our lives will be changed. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. I invite you to join your faith with mine. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Say, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. This is the greatest day in human history, the day we celebrate that Jesus rose from the grave. Death couldn't keep him. The grave couldn't hold him. The Pharisees couldn't silence him. The Romans couldn't stop him. Death, sin, and the devil had no power over him. Jesus Christ is risen. If you believe it, say, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And because he lives, we live also. Because he conquered, we can conquer. That's why we're going to discover today three things Jesus' resurrection does for you. Inside your bulletin, you'll find our sermon notes. They look like this. If you're joining us online, you can download these free of charge from our website and our social media pages. Go ahead and take out your notes. And there at the top, you'll find our scripture text for today, found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. It's on the notes, it's on the screen ahead of you, but I believe God's word has the greatest impact when it's in our hearts and on our lips. So I invite you to all read it out loud together with me. I want you to read it with your best resurrection voice. Are you ready? Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. 
This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. If I were to preach about the power of the resurrection from now through the end of the week, I could not finish all the wonderful things there are to tell us. We see what Jesus did. The Bible says he conquered the devil and stripped the devil of his power. And Jesus has power today over the devil. We see the glory of God for the Bible says he was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. And yet our text doesn't focus so much on what happened to Jesus or what happened to the devil. It focuses on what is happening to us. Through the resurrection, there are three things we receive. For Jesus didn't die on the cross and rise from the grave for his sake. He did it for ours. So here's the first truth you need to understand today. Because of the resurrection, I am born again into a living hope. Everybody say living hope. Listen to how our text begins in verse 3. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So here's what that means. Because of the resurrection, we are now born again. Because of the mercy of God and the power of God, we now have a new life. And it's a new life into a living hope. It's a new life that comes to bring us greater things than we thought possible. That's why God tells us in Romans 6, 3 to 5, just as, somebody say just as. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we've been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. So here's the amazing truth for us today. When Jesus rose from the dead, he not only opened the tomb, he opened the way for all of us to have new life. He didn't triumph just so he could overcome death. He triumphed so that we could all overcome death. That's why we cannot simply observe Easter like spectators in a stadium. This is something that impacts you today. This is something that changes you and changes your destiny. The fact of the resurrection has an impact on every one of us. You cannot sit there like a university student in the lecture hall. Somebody, you got to get up and shout. You got to get up and clap. You got to get up and cheer because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. We're not called just to believe something. We're not called just to observe a holiday. We're called to share in his glorious life. When Jesus comes to make us new, he changes everything. It's a new life possible because of the power of the resurrection. And notice again what Paul says in the beginning of Romans 6, 3. Just as Christ was raised from the dead, we also have new lives. Our new birth, our new lives, our new life comes in the same way as Jesus' resurrection came. So how was Jesus raised from the dead? He was raised completely. When Jesus came out of the grave, part of him didn't remain behind. He came out 100%. He was delivered 
delivered 100%. And just as he was completely raised from the dead, you have a completely new life. The old life is gone. The old chains are broken. The sin is gone. And you have a new life in new power with a new character and a new nature. Somebody say, I am new. It's a completely new life. You're not half saved and half a sinner. You're not partly redeemed and partly lost. You are saved, completely saved, just as Jesus was raised from the dead. Somebody say, I'm saved. Hallelujah. When Jesus left the tomb, he wasn't wearing the grave clothes. The Bible says he left the grave clothes behind and he came out in glorious splendor. And just in the same way, just as he rose from the dead, leaving the grave clothes behind, you are leaving behind your old life. You are leaving behind the old ways. You are leaving behind the old garment so that you can have his radiant glory. For Jesus came forth in power, in triumph and in conquering. And I declare to you today, there is power and victory in your life you're free from the past because Jesus rose from the grave that's why Romans 6 9 says Christ was raised from the dead and we know he cannot die again death has no power over him somebody say no power no power over him and no power over me for you are free from your past just as Jesus is free from the grave that's the powerful story we can learn from an American woman named Crystal Bassett. Crystal Bassett acted in pornographic movies. For 10 years, she was a pornographic movie star. Sex defined her. It was her job. It was her image. It was everything about her. Crystal Bassett was consumed in sex. She made hundreds of thousands of dollars making pornographic movies. But Crystal Bassett was miserable. She owned a $10 million house in Malibu, California. She drove a Ferrari sports car. She owned a club named Crystals, but she didn't have peace. In spite of her fame, her fortune, and all of her pleasure, she was desperate for a change in her life. So on Easter Sunday, Crystal Bassett, pornographic movie star, walked into a church. She listened to the word of God. She heard that Jesus rose from the dead. She heard that new life could be hers and faith sprung up in her heart and hope gripped a hold of her and Crystal Bassett surrendered to Jesus and asked him to wash away her sins. She walked away from her riches and fame and sin and she walked into a new life with Jesus Christ. Today, Crystal Bassett is a pastor. She lives for Jesus, and she lives to help other people find Jesus. Listen to her words. You need to leave your past behind. In your car, the rear view mirror is small, and your windshield is much bigger because the future is bigger than your past. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take them with you. You can be sure of your new life because Jesus rose from the dead. Maybe you're here today and you're bound by sin. You're bound by a temptation. There's a habit you just cannot let go of. But I'm here to tell you and loose upon you the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is come to break your shackles. He's breaking your chains and you're born again into a new life. Maybe you're here today and your marriage is in trouble. It goes from bad to worse and nothing 
seems to be working, but I speak resurrection power into your marriage today. I call forth the love you had on your honeymoon to be renewed and revived and restored, and you will see your marriage blossom again. Maybe you're here today without hope. You're discouraged. You're defeated. You had a plan for your life. You knew where you were going, but you've had one setback after another, and today you feel trapped in a dark tomb with no way out. But I'm here to tell you Jesus didn't rise from the dead to leave you without hope. And I declare resurrection power to lift you and bring you hope and set you free and move aside the stone and empty the tomb so you can come out in power. Somebody say power. That's why Peter says we're born again into a living hope. He used the Greek word elpis, which means hope, expectation of good. And I'm here to tell you today, hope is the expectation of good. Hope is the confident power that God will use all things in my life for good. Hope goes hand in hand with faith. For Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things uh, hoped for. And if you're not hoping for anything, you won't have any faith. But when you have hope and you have faith, you receive everything that Jesus has for you and he calls it a living hope because your hope will never die your hope will never end your hope will never be cut short I'm talking to somebody in the balcony today there's a living hope for you somebody say living hope you see, the fact is salvation is just the first step to a greater life. But God calls it a salvation into a living hope because our hope is living. Our hope is continually expecting something greater. When you've got a living hope, every day you're hoping for something more. Every day you're believing for something greater because God has no limit and God has no end and God is always growing and always increasing. So no matter how good your life is now, there's always something better with God. No matter how great it is today, there's always something better. And you live with a living hope because God is calling you to higher and greater and deeper and better things. Somebody say amen. If you could only see today, the greater things God has called you into. If you could only see the great destiny he has for you, you would embrace the new birth and that living hope. For Jesus died and rose again, not just so you could sit in church, not just so you could have a dead religion. He died and rose again that we might have new life, a life of power, a life of victory, a life of good deeds and answered prayers, a life of awesome testimonies, a life of pursuing his glory and hearing his voice and accomplishing his will, a life that is greater and better and more productive and more anointed than anything you could imagine. So stop sitting in the seat and start serving the creator. Stop worrying about tomorrow and start winning the lost. Stop looking to the pasta to do what God called you to do. Start praying. Start prophesying. Start preaching because your destiny is greater than you could ever imagine. That's the lesson we can learn from an American man named Clyde Thompson. Clyde Thompson was from Texas. Everybody say Texas. When he was just 18 years old, he took a shotgun, went into the forest with two friends to hunt for animals. But somehow in the forest, they had an encounter with true strange men. The encounter turned ugly, and for some reason, Clyde Thompson shot the two strangers. They both died. And Clyde Thompson was convicted of murder at the age of 18. He was sentenced 
to die and sent to prison to await his execution. They locked him up, waiting for him to die. Things seemed hopeless for Clyde Thompson, but believe it or not, they went from bad to worse. For when Clyde was in prison, he got into an altercation with another prisoner and killed him. He was convicted for the third murder. And then a man attacked him and he killed him. He was convicted of the fourth murder. The prison warden said, Clyde Thompson is the meanest man in Texas. The prison chaplain said, he is a man without a soul. So they locked him in solitary confinement and waited for him to die. But God had better plans. You see, no matter how low you go, Jesus went lower to lift you. And no matter how great your sin, Jesus' blood is greater. He can forgive you. Somehow, Clyde Thompson got a hold of a Bible in his prison cell. He started reading it and he said, I started reading it so I could find the mistakes in the Bible and make fun of the Christians. But as he read the word of God, light began to come into his heart. As he read the word of God, faith began to be born. As he read the word of God, hope was birthed in him. And suddenly Clyde Thompson, the meanest man in Texas, gave his life to Christ and became born again. The change was so great, he went from fighting to loving. He went from cursing to counseling other prisoners. In fact, his conduct changed so much, they eventually released him from prison. Clyde got out of prison and started working for the Lord. He got married and became a chaplain and ministered to other prisoners. He became one of the greatest soul winners in Texas. He wrote his testimony, and hundreds of thousands of prisoners read it and were influenced. For more than 20 years, Clyde Thompson ministered and preached the gospel. He wasn't just saved. He was saved for a greater purpose. He wasn't just delivered from death. He was delivered for a greater purpose. God had something born again in his life, and he was born again into a living hope. And if God can give Clyde Thompson a new life and a living hope. What can God do for you? He can turn your life around. He can bring you to the place of greater expectation, of greater destiny. That's why Paul teaches us to pray in Ephesians 1.18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. So just lift your hand today and say after me, Lord, Lord open, my eyes open my eyes to see the hope of my calling. To see the hope of my calling. My calling is greater. My calling is greater. My hope is greater. My hope is greater. My Lord is greater. My Lord is greater. My living hope, my living hope lasts, for eternity. lasts for eternity. That brings us to our second truth today. Because of the resurrection, I have a lasting inheritance. Everybody say lasting inheritance. Listen to how our text continues in verse 4. And into an inheritance, you're born again into an inheritance that can never perish. Spoiler fate. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Turn your notes over to page 2 and understand that first, the resurrection makes you born again into a living hope where you expect greater things in your new life. But secondly, it's not just in this life, but in the life to come, you're born again into a living inheritance. 
you get a new life and a new family and a new inheritance. For Romans 8, 17 says, since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. And I guarantee and I promise every man and woman in this house, everyone listening and watching on TV, when you accept Jesus and become born again, you're part of his family. You have an inheritance in Christ. You have a new life and a new family and your inheritance is kept in heaven. It is guarded by God himself. He will not let it be robbed or stolen. There's no rust or moth in heaven. There's no thief in heaven. There's no devaluation of the currency in heaven. There's no doomsore in heaven. There's no haircut in heaven. Somebody say hallelujah. All the gold and the treasures of this world will fade away. All the things we know and touch and see will one day perish, but our inheritance will never pass away. See, the riches of this world are empty. They'll fade away. Everything you're chasing, everything you're running after will one day be gone. And as you came into the world naked and empty-handed, you will leave naked and empty-handed. That's the lesson we can learn from what happened in January to an Emirates flight bound from Dubai to Auckland, New Zealand. On Friday, January 27th at 10.30 a.m., Emirates flight EK448 took off from Dubai, headed for New Zealand. It was a long flight, about 9,000 miles. But halfway through the flight, they got a radio call from New Zealand. There had been severe flooding in Auckland, and the airport was shut down, and they couldn't receive the plane. So Emirates flight EK448 turned back and went back to Dubai. The plane spent 13 hours in the air. 13 hours. Hey, no bismaltino. 13 hours. And it landed where it took off. It went back where it started from. 13 hours. People ate and drank on the plane. They watched a lot of movies. They played with their phone. They chatted with their neighbor. They tried to sleep. They went to the toilet 13 hours. But whatever you did or didn't do made no difference. You ended where you started. If you were in first class, you sipped sparkling wine. You ate lobster and steak. But you still ended up where you started. If you were in back, in the small seat by the toilet, you were miserable. 13 hours of misery cramped in a seat. Your back hurt, the no, the, your nose, the odor. Ooh. But no matter what you did or didn't do, you ended up where you started. And that's how it is for every single one of us. Whether you live in a mansion in Trisaco or a kiosk in Shiashi, you came in empty and naked, and you will leave empty and naked. No matter how much you enjoy the journey, no matter how you sit or where you're positioned, you will end up leaving this world with nothing. And the only thing you have in eternity is the inheritance kept for you by God. And on this resurrection day, God is diverting attention away from the things of this world to the things of the life to come. For the resurrection of Jesus proves there is life after this life. There is life after death. And rather than chasing the temporary pleasures of this world, we need to focus on the eternal 
treasure of heaven. For Jesus was in the grave temporarily, but he was risen to eternal destiny. He went from death to domination. He went from the tomb to the top. He went from the grave to glory. And when you follow him, you too will temporarily die. You too will temporarily pass away. You will have nothing at that moment, but you will then enter into glory. You'll enter in eternal heritage. You will go from the tomb to the top, from the grave to glory, from death to domination. You will live with Jesus. If you believe it, say amen. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Because everything we see, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. And when you see the glorious inheritance you have in heaven, you will begin to chase after it. You will focus on it. That's why Paul continues to teach us to pray in Ephesians 1.18. Listen to his second prayer. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So lift your hand and say, Lord, Lord, open my eyes, open my eyes to see the riches, to see the riches of my glorious, of my glorious inheritance. And that brings us to our third truth today. Because of the resurrection, I have lifelong power. Somebody say lifelong power. First, you're born again into a living hope. Second, you're born again into a lasting inheritance. Third, you're born into lifelong power. See, Christianity is not just about getting to heaven, not just about the great things in the future. It's about power here and now. Now, for 1 Peter 1.5, our text says, you through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So God's power not only keeps our inheritance safe, God's power keeps us safe. We can be assured of making heaven because we are shielded by his power. See, if Jesus died and rose again when you were a sinner, if he gave his life for you when you were an enemy of God, how much more will he do for you now to keep you and protect you and defend you now that you're serving him? For Romans 5, 10 says, since when we were his enemies, we were brought back to God by the death of his son. What blessings, tell your neighbor what blessings, what blessings he must have for us now that we are his friends and he's living within us. And I'm here to tell you, if Jesus would die for you when you were a nasty, low down, dirty sinner, what will he do for you now that you love him and you serve him and you're praying and worshiping him? How much more will he bless you? He's coming to shield you and keep you. Jesus didn't die so you could go back and forth. He died to surround you with life, long power. Somebody say power. It's the power that keeps you until he comes. For there are trials along the way. There are temptations. First Peter 1 says, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And the trial you're in right now, the fiery temptation, the storm you're passing through, isn't there to defeat you. It's there to strengthen you. It's not there because God's power is not keeping you. He is keeping you through the storm and keeping your eyes focused on him. See, 
when you believe the resurrection of Jesus, it impacts the way you live. Because of our hope in his inheritance, we live godly lives today. We live in faith and love because we see what lies ahead and we're kept by his power. That's why Paul said in Colossians 1, 4 to 5, for we have heard of your faith. Say, everybody say faith in Christ Jesus and your love. Everybody say love. For all of God's people which come, your faith and your love come from your confident hope of what God has revealed for you in heaven. Your living hope for your lasting inheritance gives you lifelong power to live in faith and in love. We live in faith and love because God's resurrection power helps us to look ahead and to believe in him that one day we will rise again in glorious resurrection power and live new lives. That's why Paul's third prayer to us in Ephesians 1 says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. The power that raised Jesus is available to you today and every day. So lift up your hand and say, Lord, Lord, open my eyes, open my eyes to see the incomparably great power to see the incomparably great that you have for me. You have kept for me. I call forth the power of God in your yes, life. Lord. I call forth the kingdom of God abiding yes, in you. I call forth the faith that God has planted yes, in you. I speak life to yes, that faith. I yes, speak growth to that faith. Yes, I speak faith to yes, grow and bring forth yes, the blossom and bear yes, fruit. I call forth your faith to yes, rise. I call forth the gifts of God yes, in you. I call forth the greater destiny yes, of God in you. I call yes, forth hope yes, and life and peace yes, and grace. I call forth yes, the power yes, of God to come and fill yes, you. I speak free Freedom to yes, you today. Yes, freedom from fear. Yes, freedom from yes, shame. Yes, freedom yes, over worry yes, and pride. I speak yes, freedom yes, from insecurity. Yes, and I speak resurrection yes, life to yes, your body, to your yes, soul, yes, to your yes, mind, to your marriage, yes, to your career. I speak yes, by the power of the Holy yes, Spirit. Come forth yes, in resurrection yes, power and receive today everything God has for you. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.